welcome all of you. Welcome online if you're watching. Today I want to uh, talk a little bit about, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm going to ask you a question and uh, ask you who or how many times this week did you have a disagreement with somebody? Did you have a disagreement with somebody? If you didn't have it this week, just go back far enough until you run into that. Did you have a conflict with someone? Welcome, Ohio, by the way. <laughs> Wonderful family visiting. Say hi to them before they leave. Glad to have you with us. Did you have a disagreement with somebody, a conflict? Process that. All right, now, next question is, not who won. That's the last one on the list. When you walked away from that conflict, when you walked away from that disagreement, was the relationship strengthened or was it weakened? Did the person feel loved or did they feel unloved? Did they feel honored or did they feel dishonored? And then you can finish it off by, did you win? There's, a, there's somebody in my life, and I, uh, I, have, I have discovered that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm going to be sharing on a Sunday, I often go through in the week. <laughs> I'll often experience it, so I actually have to practice what I preach. So I got to practice a little bit. But there's somebody in my life, and the person's not here. They're not from this area. It seems like whatever they say, but I am in somewhat of a relationship with this person. Whatever they say, whatever they post, I feel like I think the polar opposite. I think, are you crazy? Where's your mind? How do you even think that? Are you serious right now? Do you have any people like that in your life? <clears throat> you guys are looking at me like I'm not making sense. I'm not that different. I know that if I have people like that in my life, you probably do too. <laughs> how, do you, how do you go through life without fighting with people like that? Does God care about your relationships? Does God care about the conflicts in your life? Do you think he's given us any kind of instruction on how to handle conflicts like that? Absolutely he does. He actually has amazing Amazing instructions for how you should handle conflicts, how you should handle disagreements. And one place you start is you're going to have disagreements. It's just that's a way of life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, he's writing and he said, you know what? I hear that there's divisions among you. I'm hearing that there's divisions. And he goes on to say, hey, there's got to be factions that those who are approved might be recognized by the Lord. And he's talking about heresy. I'm not going there. But just understand, you have people, you have humans, you have different opinions. You're going to have disagreements. Instead of running away from conflict, like we're so tempted to do. I know a lot of people that say, oh, I hate conflict. I hate conflict. So I'm just going to ignore it. Instead of running away from it, how about we just learn how to deal with it? 
How about we just take instructions and we become good at it? Because trust me, before the month of June is out, you're going to have a conflict with somebody. You're going to have a disagreement. Maybe it's very small, but maybe it's very large. Let's train ourselves to how to do that instead of hiding conflicts. When you hide things, they never really get better. They seem to fester. I heard somebody say this week, Jeff Bezos, actually, so he's a, he's a smart guy. I don't know if you like him or not, but he's smart. And he said, you know where anxiety comes for, from me? He said, when there's something I know I should be doing it, and I, have some, I can do something, but I'm ignoring it. He said, that causes anxiety in my life. And I was like, whoa, yeah. That actually causes anxiety in me too. That's, that's true. Well, the same thing goes for relationships. When you cover up things that should be taken care of, anxiety can grow out of that. Sometimes it only gets worse. So let's, let's take instruction from God's word because he cares about relationships. And he has instructions. So I thought we'd just take a biblical road trip. You want to take a biblical road trip? See what the Bible says? So it might be a little different sermon. But uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what the Bible says about it. Um... Jesus was actually really, really wise when it comes to conflict resolution. You know that? Jesus thought, and he taught, that you should talk about it. You shouldn't just ignore it. You shouldn't cut that person off. So he said, if your brother sins against you, instead of going talking to other people about it, he said, go to that person and talk to that person. So you can take care of it on this level first. And he said, well, if they don't hear you, then just take some friends along. Talk to them that way. Another time he said, if you come into, it actually said, if you're going to sacrifice, which was the way they worshipped. But today he would say, if you're coming to worship the Lord, and you're there, and all of a sudden you remember, my brother, my sister, somebody has something against me. He said, just leave your gift at the altar. Like, just hold off for a little bit. Worship. He said, go take care of that conflict and then come back and offer your gift. You think, really? Seriously? I don't know. Jesus knew something about that our relationships affected things deeply. So that's what he said. <clears throat> Jesus had great instructions. That's out of Matthew 18 and Matthew 5. But one of the places I want to start is where you got conflict is when you have differences of opinion, right? And sometimes they're very important. We call those values. Sometimes they're a lot less important. We call those preferences. A value, here's what a value is. A value is a non-negotiable. For a Christian, it should be based in the Bible. That's where it should be rooted in. That's where your values grow from, is from truth, okay? So values are worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for something that you believe deeply and strongly in. You can fight and still not be nasty. Do you know that? 
You can fight and still be kind. Fight for something you believe in. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Let me tell you what, I, what I'm talking about. I listened to a, a, a congressperson. It was recently. They were talking. They were talking about something. I'm thinking, you know what? I agree with you there. Yeah, I agree with that point. Yep. I agree with that point you're making. I agree with that point. And then they ended the thing out by calling their opponent stupid and name-calling. And I'm like, and you just lost me. Sometimes you can be right and be totally wrong. <laughs> when, you, when you are fighting for something you believe, but you go nasty, I think sometimes you can lose more than you gain. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, values are non-negotiables. Jude, we talked about this two weeks ago. I, I mentioned the verse, contend for the faith. That actually means fight. There's things worth fighting for. Values are something you should be willing to take a stand on. One example of a value for Christians is the idea of the sanctity of life, that life is important. So when it comes to the issue of abortion, you think, where does that, where does that idea come from? Well, it's rooted in the Bible. You go the whole way back to Exodus 20, and God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and said, hey, on here is something that says, thou shalt not kill. And then it's expounded on many times throughout the Bible, how you shouldn't take innocent blood. Okay, so that's actually where the sanctity of life, that's where it's rooted. That's something you should be willing to fight for. Now, if you have a different value, there's people that value your ability to choose. Your ability to choose to end life. And they say, well, there's life and there's the ability to choose. And so I'm going to put a higher value on my ability to choose that I want to end the life that's inside of me. That, that's a different, that's a complete different value. You should watch how close you get in partnerships with somebody who has a very different value system from you. Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. You remember this verse? It's in uh, 2 Corinthians 6. He says, don't be unequally yoked. You know what that means? A lot of people use it in reference to marriage, but it means a lot more than just marriage. It means any kind of partnerships. You should make sure that the person that you're going to be in a relationship, a close relationship, has the same values that you do. How many of you ever ran a three-legged race? Raise your hands. All right. You guys know what three-legged races are. <clears throat> You put your legs together with another person. You tie them together. Now you have three legs. And then you have a race. When I was in school, I loved three-legged races because I had a best friend. He was my height. It's like we thought the same. We acted the same. Everything. And whenever there, we had three-legged race, I wanted to race with Matthew because we just we, we tore it up. And if we're supposed to start over there, Run to there and back. And, you know, you'd usually have teams that would run together. I could, we could sprint that. One, two, three, go. And we just powered it out together. 
we would hit that wall, we'd be coming back, and like some of the teams would still be in this area, struggling, falling. We could win all the time. We were like-minded. We worked the same. We were not unequally yoked. When Paul says, yoke up with people who have the same values as you, he's not trying to you know, keep you from having fun with that person that you, you really enjoy hanging out with. He knows how important values are. And he's saying, you know what? You can waste a lot of energy. You can waste a lot of energy in your life if you decide to marry a person that has a completely different value system than you. You're not going to have energy to run towards your goal. You'll spend most of it fighting each other. The same goes for business partnerships, whatever it is. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Could you grab my water, please? Thank you. Preferences? Now that's a little different. Okay? Can we talk about what a preference is? Preferences are developed culturally. Often that's where they start. They're your likes and your dislikes. Thanks, Stevie. Your likes and your dislikes. It's not like they're right or wrong. They could be, but not necessarily. Preferences are often where you get to put your love and honor to work. And if you're wondering where you should start with preferences, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you from personal experience. Here's something I've learned. Instead of immediately shooting down somebody else's preference, that's stupid. That's a stupid idea. Why would you think of that? Instead of doing that, always come from the point of your opinion, your idea, your preference, it's just as valid and just as valuable as mine is. You know, if you'll do that in a relationship between husband and wife, when it comes to things that are preference, if you'll do that, if, if that's your starting place, if you actually believe that what you think, your preference, just as valid, just as important, it'll actually help you act out of love and honor towards that person's opinion, that preference. Does that make sense? Have that be your starting place <clears throat> instead of immediately discarding it. So a preference can be anything from as small as how you put the toilet paper roll on the toilet paper holder. Yeah, I don't have that problem in our home, but I've actually looked it up. I've heard people say, it's actually a big deal. So something as small as that to something as big as like the biggest purchase that you'll make during your lifetime, like financial pur purchase, those are all on the preference scale. In a church, in a church, it comes out in so many different ways because, listen, most of you don't have my experience growing up. Some of us are from like Amish background, Mennonite, Baptist, charismatic. Like there's, there's a complete different range of people's ideas here. So in a church, it can come out in how you spend the money, how to spend the finances, the things that you spend it on. Worship is a big one, right? Worship, the style of music, 
the speed, the volume, all those different things. People, everybody has different opinions. How do you make that work, guys? How do you make it work in your marriage? Well, listen. Romans 12.10. We're going to look at that. That's your first one. This one, this is an absolute beautiful verse. I love it. Romans 12.10 says this. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. The English Standard Version says outdo each other in showing honor. The word honor, you know what it means? It means great respect, high esteem. That verse, that verse isn't how you're supposed to treat the pastor. That's not what it's saying. That's a all of us. Every person, even the person you think is the most, least important. The person that you think, who cares about them? Now he's saying, here's how you're supposed to treat that person. Bill Johnson has a definition of honor that I love. You might have heard it before. He said, honor celebrates who a person is without stumbling over who they're not. Do you have any faults, any shortcomings? <clears throat> I do. Sometimes those things are easy to see. And so when you're in close relationship with somebody, you can just glaringly notice those shortcomings. And it affects how we treat them. Here he's saying, listen, learn how to treat that person. High respect. High esteem. No matter what the shortcoming is. No matter what the failure might be. That could radically change how we treat each other. <clears throat> so giving preference. Giving preference to one another. That's part of the verse as well. Giving preference means... Not only not do I, getting a little mixed up here, not only not demanding to have it my way, but it's saying, willingly saying, hey, it could be your way. It could be your way. We can paint the bathroom that color. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. It doesn't have to be the color that I want. Let's paint it your color. That's giving preference to one another. 1 Corinthians 13, this is the love chapter. In verse 5, it says, love doesn't insist on having its own way. That changes your relationships. And your question might be, man, what keeps me from being taken advantage of then? Couldn't somebody just come in and take advantage of my life, of me? I'm just always, yeah, whatever. Well, Paul actually addressed that in 1 Corinthians 6, 7. He's talking to this group of people at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, you guys are suing each other. You're, you, like, somebody, you're taking each other to court because you're upset that somebody owes you a little bit of money. And then he finishes it off by saying, hey, why don't you just accept wrong? That's in verse 7. 
1 Corinthians 6. Why don't you accept wrong and allow yourself to be cheated? That's a different thought. What does Paul see in that? Why would he say that? You know you have a fairness meter inside of you. How many of you have a fairness meter? No, 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 no. That's not fair. Why'd Paul say, just let yourself be cheated? I think in light of eternity, Paul saw that there's a much greater blessing attached to being a peacemaker. That's what we live for anyway, in light of eternity, right? Much greater blessing attached to being a peacemaker. You make for peace, there's a great, great blessing upon there. Matthew 5, Jesus said, they shall be called the sons of God. Then you getting your own way, you coming out a couple hundred bucks ahead, much greater blessing. Just allow yourself to be taken advantage of, he says. Bigger blessing than proving that you're right. James 4 says this. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it this? That your passions are at war within you. What's he saying there? He's saying selfishness. Selfishness is actually the root. That's where fighting and quarreling comes from. Self. I had a major issue <laughs> with something growing up, and I carried it into my marriage. That was, I always had to be right. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> Are you a person like that? I remember my dad saying to me, Nelson, you're never wrong, are you? I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and I took such pride in proving others wrong. I'm right. When you bring that into a marriage, that doesn't really make your wife like want to like love you more. It just doesn't work that way. And the Lord showed me, man, the whole thing was run on pride. Like the root of it's just pride, selfishness. It came out of insecurity inside of me. And I had to repent. <laughs> I had to change. Because it was affecting my relationships. The Lord will show you those things in your life if you open yourself up to him as well. Let's see what the wisest man that ever lived had to say about relationships. Listen to this. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stir up anger. It's really easy to come back with a zinger, isn't it? You come at me with something, I'll poke you right back. Our flesh does it instantly, wants to. He says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I remember one time I ran a stop sign. And it was just like in a big parking lot, right? So you don't have to obey those signs, do you? Anyway, 
I just wasn't, I, I guess I wasn't thinking very clearly. There's a person sitting right there, and I just went right through the stop sign. And I had my windows down. They had their windows down. And he screamed at me. Like, he raged at me. And he showed me fingers. And you kind of feel, like, violated. Like, really? And I remember I... I went through the stop, and I just stopped, and I looked over him because, like, we weren't very far away. And I said, hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. And I remember he sat there and looked at me, and his mouth opened and closed. He went. Like, it seemed like he did it for a while, but I drove away laughing because I sucked the venom straight out of his mouth. By just humbling myself, it was that easy to submit to the nature of Christ and just choose humility instead of selfishness. I just had to choose humility. And it turned away wrath. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. There's one whose rash words are like the thrusts of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your tongue is so amazing. It can cut like a sword. You can use it to cut like a sword. Or you can bring healing into somebody's life. Your choice. I want to end with this. I had a... Uh, I was going through a difficult conflict in my life with, with someone. And I remember thinking that this person's just mean. They're just, you know how easy it is to assign. If you're going through something, you can like, well, you're just this way. You're just this way. And I, that's how I was feeling about this person. <clears throat> And I had a dream one night. I had a dream where I was in a building with this person. And this person was just, they were, they, they were killing people. They were trying to. They had a gun. And so I ran after the person with my own gun. And I was chasing them around a room. I, like I wasn't able to see them. I'd come around the corner and they just disappeared. And I was yelling, Shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. I don't normally think those kind of thoughts, okay, guys? <laughs> and I wanted, to, I wanted to put a stop to it. And I remember all of a sudden I came around the corner and this person suddenly, they shrunk down and they were two years old and they were holding their arms out they said, Daddy, Daddy. In my dream, it broke me because I got another perspective. I saw pain in their life. Oh, I see where it comes from. Completely changed my heart towards the person. And I woke up weeping, praying for the person. Sometimes you just have to get another perspective. 
get heaven's perspective. No longer did I at all want to harm that person. No longer. Now I wanted to love that person. I wanted to love them because I saw the healing that needed to take place in their heart. So why don't you stand up and I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> Jesus said this, by this, this is John 15, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. By the love, that's supposed to be your distinctive. And that doesn't get shut off when you're having disagreements. That doesn't get shut off. In a conflict. So, I don't know if you're going through something in your life now. That you just got to say, Lord, give me heaven's perspective on this issue. Give me heaven's perspective on this conflict that I'm in the middle of. Whether he just wanted to train you this morning, give you instructions. Lord, we do want to be those people who are, our distinctive is they're known by their love. They're known by their kindness, their generosity. The way they give of themselves. Lord, I want to be known by that. I pray that we as a group of believers would have that same desire. Lord, I pray that if we're in the middle of a conflict now, you'd give us wisdom for how to handle it. That we wouldn't run, but would handle it in a way that honors you and honors the individual. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.